Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to you all. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? And the Jets won again. <laughs> Just had to slip that in there somewhere. If I was to ask you what it is that you really love and are amazed about, about mothers, I wonder what you would say. For many people, probably what they would say would be, they are amazed at how mums can so selflessly give themselves day after day after day, week after week, year after year, on behalf of their children. Never stop. Mums have an amazing capacity to do that. It's like something clicks into place when they first hold that child in their arms or after they've been through an adoption process, they first hold a child or a foster child in their arms. And if you've ever witnessed that happen, as I've had the privilege of witnessing four times uh, with Julia and our girls, something happens in that moment. Uh, As that mum holds that baby, they might not be saying anything, but what they're giving off and what this child is receiving is a message. And the message goes something like this. I love you. I will always love you. And I am here for you. It doesn't matter where you go, what you do, what life throws at you for however life long lives. I am here for you. I'm all in for you and in your care. And many of us have had mothers who've been like that in our lives. And we've benefited from that in many, many ways. Where does that attribute come from? Where does that come from in terms of the capacity to give so selflessly every day for so long, 24-7, as that video said? Well, we're going to find out, actually, this morning as we come and look at the last phrase of Matthew's gospel. Matthew 28, we're going to read from verse 16 to verse 20, and we're going to concentrate on the last phrase of verse 20. That phrase sums up the whole of Matthew's gospel. And it also sends us out of Matthew's gospel with renewed hope and courage into all that we have facing us in our lives. So let's read it together, shall we? We're going to read from verse 16 to verse 20. Dave read these verses last week. We're going to go over them again, but just concentrate on the last phrase. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. They worshipped him, but some doubted, wavered, as Dave Perry said last week. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to hear today what you are saying to us. Not just with our ears, but in the very depths of our heart and our being. That we would hear and believe. And in believing, we would face our lives with renewed courage and hope knowing that what you tell us is absolutely true. So speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Matthew's gospel is a book of beholding. Jesus says, behold, I am with you always. Matthew uses that word 53 times in his gospel. And it starts right from the very beginning. Behold, an angel. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Behold, wise men from the east. Behold, a star. Behold, another angel. Then, behold, another angel. Then at Jesus' baptism, behold, the heavens were opened to him. Behold, a voice from heaven said. And after he was tested in the wilderness, behold, angels ministered to him. It's a gospel of beholding. Matthew wants us to see. He wants us to see who this Jesus really is. And so Jesus finishes the last phrase by picking up on that, saying, Behold, I want you to see something. And what he wants these disciples to see is something that he wants them to hold on to for the rest of their days, wherever they go and whatever they do. Behold, Jesus says, I am with you always even to the end of the age. In other words, Jesus is saying to the people he loves dearly, I'm all in for you. I love you and I am here for you. And I am all in for you. Where do mothers get that attribute from? They get it because they are made in the image of God Almighty. And that's who God is. He is always all in for us. And that's what we're going to unpack this morning as we go through this last morning in Matthew's gospel. I'm going to break it down in four ways for us. All of Jesus, for all of us, in all our ways, for all our days. All of Jesus, in all of us, in all our ways, for all our days. First of all, all of Jesus. I am with you always, Jesus said. It feels like it should be, I will be with you, future tense. But Jesus says it, present continuous. I am with you today. I am with you tomorrow. I am with you the next day, the next week, the next year. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Just as I am now, I will be all the time with you. But it also may well have triggered an echo in the mind of these Jewish people and of Matthew's Jewish readers when they were reading his gospel. Many Bible scholars agree that Matthew's gospel seems to be a deliberate parallel to the story of Moses and how Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt through the desert and into the promised land. Just to remind us a little bit of that old story. The Hebrew people were in Egypt. They were slaves. But they grew and grew and became mighty a number. And because of that, Pharaoh became jealous and decided that he was going to kill all the firstborn males of the Hebrews. Moses miraculously was escaped from that. And he grew up in Egypt. As a young man, he had to run away from Egypt and he came into the wilderness. And when he got into the wilderness, God met him in a burning bush that was on fire, but was not being consumed. And God sent Moses back into Egypt to rescue his people. 
Moses' first question to the voice that was speaking to him out of the burning bush was the same question you and I may ask. Who are you? You say you are God, but who are you? And who do I tell the people have sent me? And the voice out of the burning bush says, I am. I am. Tell them I am is sending you. And that's what Moses went back to Egypt with. Out of that same Hebrew root for the word I am, God also called himself Yahweh, the Lord. And as he sent Moses back into Egypt and through the wilderness, he added to that name so that they began to understand more and more of who God is. He destroyed the Egyptian army in the Red Sea without one Jewish person being lost. And the Jewish people realized that God was a warrior. He brought his people out into the wilderness. They were thirsty and they came to a body of water. But when they tried to drink it, the water was bitter. They couldn't drink it. So they grumbled against God. So God changed the water from bitterness into pure water so that they could all drink. And the Bible tells us that they understood and recognized that the Lord was a healer. They went on into the wilderness. They came into battles. And they recognized that the Lord was fighting over them and with them even as they were in the battle. And they called him the Lord our banner. Flies his flag over our battles because he's with us in everything that we fight. They needed food to eat in the wilderness. So God provided for them food every day and they recognized he was the Lord who is our provider. And then they came to the mountain and God came down in his presence on the top of a mountain. He came down in smoke and in fire and with the sound of trumpets. And Moses alone went up to meet with God. And God spoke to Moses and told him how the people could come into a relationship with him and walk with him. If they had eyes to see, these Jewish people would have understand and understood that this God was revealing himself as the I am all that you need. For all that you're going through in every situation in life. And they would have understood that this God, I am Yahweh the Lord, was all in for them. He was there for them with everything that they needed. He was going to take care of them and look after them. What does that have to do with our text today? Well, let me take you through the gospel of Matthew. When the angel comes to talk about the baby coming, the baby Jesus, in Matthew, he isn't called Jesus. Matthew notes that he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. God with us in the last phrase of Matthew's gospel. God with us. There is no burning bush. But Jesus is greater than Moses. 
We get a fire in the sky. We get a star that burns. And that's what draws the wise men to Jesus because they see the star in the sky. He's rescued from an evil king who tries to destroy all the firstborn. He runs to Egypt and he grows up in Egypt before he comes away from Egypt. The waters part for him in his baptism. And actually he makes a way through waters twice more in the book of Matthew when he calms the storm with the disciples. He goes through a wilderness too. But it doesn't take him 40 years. It only takes him 40 days because he perfectly obeys his father. Then he brings his people up to a mountain to meet with God. And instead of fire and smoke and a trumpet sound, Jesus himself sits down on the top of the mountain. And they all come to him, not just Moses, and he teaches them all. And as he teaches them through Matthew, he teaches them how they can come into a relationship with God. Not through many sacrifices and many laws and offerings over many years, but through one sacrifice. One sacrifice of one perfect lamb, once for all time. And he was going to be that sacrifice. Moses didn't actually bring the people of Israel into the promised land. He messed up before he got there. Jesus brings all his people into the promised land. He never messed up. And when he got to the most difficult of all of his troubles, he went straight through the middle of it. The scourging, the beating, the crucifixion, down into the grave when he is dead. He rose again on the third day. And he leads all his people all the way through into all the promises of God that are available for us in our promised land that God is leading us into. All of God is available to us in all of Jesus. And when he says, I am with you, that is what he is saying. I am all that you need. I'm here for you, and I am all in for you. Whatever you need, wherever you need it, wherever you go, whenever you need it, I am all in for you. That is the message that Jesus wants to leave these disciples with. I am, Jesus says, with you. With you is plural. He's talking to the 11 disciples. There's Peter, the one who denied him, who must have felt as if he'd lost all chance of ever serving Jesus again. Jesus looks him in the eye. I am with you. There's Thomas, who doubted and wavered, and as Ken was sharing a few weeks ago, was in an unbelieving posture of his heart. I won't believe unless I can see the nail prints in his hand and put my hand into his side. Jesus looks at Thomas and says, I am with you. To James and John, who when Jesus talks about his crucifixion and death and resurrection, say about that. When you rise, can we sit on your right and your left hand? Talk about insensitivity. Looking after themselves before their brothers. Thinking of their own glorification even above Jesus' own suffering. Jesus says to them, I am with you. 
to you who know Jesus today. And if you've never truly given your life to Jesus, you can do it today. Whether you are in faith or in doubt, whether serving selfishly or selflessly, whether you've denied Jesus in your time of trial and you've failed the test, Jesus says to you today, I am with you. This is the power of the presence of God. Since Ron's sermon at the beginning of the year, we've been encouraging ourselves to dig deeper wells of devotion with God. We're not trying to conjure up the presence of Jesus by our hard work and our effort. We don't have to. He's already here. Right? And not just part of him. His voice. Or his ear. Or his hand maybe. All of him. I am. With you. That's what Jesus is saying to us. We don't have to work hard to conjure up his presence. We just have to dial down enough and switch off the noise of the world enough to realize that everything that we need is already in the room. I am with you, says Jesus, in all your ways. This does not mean for all times. That's coming. This word literally means in all your ways, everywhere that you go. On March the 22nd, I was trying to dial down from busyness and spend some time with the Lord. I asked the Lord what he wanted me to do. What came to mind was the phrase that God spoke to Moses in the wilderness when Moses asked to see God's glory. The phrase that came to my mind was, I'm going to pass all my goodness in front of you. I thought, wow. So I said, Lord, what what do you want me to do? Thinking, am I going to get a a mighty rushing wind? Am I going to get a pillar of fire? Am I going to get some glory cloud coming into the room? He could have done all of those things. But the thought came to my heart, I just want you to meditate on all of my goodness. So starting right from the beginning, I started to go through my life. From my grandparents who'd come to know Jesus before me. My mum and dad raising us up in a Christian home. My brothers and sisters, my family. My church family. The people who were around us, our friends. The things I went through in different places. But not just the good things. I began to think of the bad things. Some of those moments of your sin and your brokenness. And some of the bad things that happened to you from outside. And as I went through all of those pictures of my life, I began to realize that God was passing his goodness before me. Because he had been with me in all of my ways. Every single one of them. Because that was his promise. What were the ways that Jesus was particularly referring to here in Matthew's gospel? We know that he's just told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. He sent them out to go with the gospel. We also know from other scriptures that Jesus has promised to always be with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But here Jesus is particularly saying, 
When you go with the gospel, I am with you always. The ways of sending and going for the gospel. We know from the New Testament that these disciples went with the good news, at least as far north as Rome and Greece. And the good news traveled as far south as Ethiopia. It went to other nations as well. Pantanus was a Greek philosopher who came to the Lord in the second century. He became a very well-known and respected Bible scholar and teacher, taught some very important people in church history. But he was also a missionary. And in the year about AD 180, he went on a mission that took him all the way to India. When he got to India, he found a group of people in India that were already Christians. And they had a book that they were using, written in Hebrew script. Do you know what the book was? It was the book of Matthew. And they said that it had been given to them by the apostle Bartholomew, who'd made it all the way to India with the word of God. That happened within a hundred years after Matthew wrote that book. These men went with the gospel even if they needed some Holy Spirit encouragement to do so, like all of us. We're also in a season of sending. With Elise to York, Jason and Sylvia to the Par. And we're also going ourselves. In this next year and a half or so, we're going to be moving from here to West St. Paul. Some of us may be moving to Carlsbeck, just over the railroads there. But we're all going somewhere. And we're going because the gospel is moving us. And we are moving for the gospel. And Jesus has a message for us today. Well, Annalise, do you have a little bit of anxiety about this whole going thing? Is there a little bit of emotional stuff going on that's difficult to deal with? Just a little bit. I have a message for you from the Lord this morning. I love you, says the Lord. And on your journey... In the gospel, I am all in. All in. Everything you need, all in. And for all of us here today, wherever Jesus takes us, do you have some anxiety about moving over to West St. Paul or to Colesbeck? How's this all going to work? Am I even going to make it? And uh, Where's the money going to come from? I know some Dale thinks about that every now and again. <laughs> What's the building going to look like? John thinks about that all the time. How's it all going to work? Message for you this morning. In all your ways, Jesus says, I am all in for you and with you. Behold, I am with you always. And finally, for all your days. I am with you always to the end of the age. Phrase. Sorry, you lost me there for a bit. Jesus has used that phrase to the end of the age previously in Matthew. When talking about the time before his second coming, when he returns again, at the end of the history of our present world, we could call this present age the age of the gospel, the good news age, the day of salvation, that time between the first appearing of our Savior Jesus and his second appearing at the end of time. We know from their writings that some of these disciples believed that the second coming of Jesus would happen in their own lifetime. 
but they weren't thinking as big as Jesus was thinking. He wasn't thinking of the thousands of people that they could reach in their lifetime. Jesus was thinking of the promise that they had made as God to Abraham, that his descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He wasn't thinking of thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. He was thinking in terms of millions and even billions. Jesus wants to populate the new heaven and earth with a family that is so large that will fill it all with his glory. And that's not going to happen in one generation or two generations. Here 2,000 years later, we are still harvesting for the gospel for all that God wants to do because not all of the family are in yet. But Jesus is on the move to make that happen. And he's saying, however long this takes, and whoever is involved in it, in whatever capacity, in this business of spreading the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, I am with them all the way to the end, however long it takes. But this was more than just a blanket promise to all of us. It was a specific message to those particular disciples and friends who were before him. Whatever your end will be, Jesus is saying, I will be with you right to the finish line. That is who Jesus is, as Ken reminded us a few weeks ago when he said he loved them to the very end. I mentioned that the 11 took the gospel into many different directions and to many different people in their own lifetime. Many, if not all of them, well, all of them suffered, but some of them died as a direct result of that mission. We know from Acts that James was beheaded. We know that John ends his life separated from the people he loves on the island of Patmos. We don't know for sure what happened to everyone else, but historians in church history have come up with some answers, and whether they're true or not, I don't know. But church tradition and various historians tell us Philip was killed in Hierapolis. Thaddeus, Jude, in Persia or Syria. Thomas was speared with a lance in Persia or India. Andrew was crucified in Asia Minor. Second James was thrown from the temple in Jerusalem. Peter was crucified upside down by Nero in Rome. And Matthew himself was killed by spears in Ethiopia. Whether those stories are true or not, we know that they all faced hardship and suffering and that countless Christians have continued to suffer, be persecuted and even killed for the sake of spreading the gospel over the last 2000 years. In 2017, last year, according to the Open Doors NGO that tracks persecution of Christians, 3066 Christians were killed for their faith. That is 255 per month. That is Eight and nine a day. That doesn't count the many Christians who are being killed throughout the world in different conflicts of one sort or another. That means that somewhere today on Mother's Day, eight or nine people are going to give their lives for the sake of Jesus and the gospel today in our world. You can join a prayer team on Monday evenings at the prayer furnace with Sally. What time, Sally, do you guys pray? At 8 o'clock, if you want to come and pray for the persecuted church. Jesus knew that's what awaited these disciples. He had promised them as much. 
when he asked them, James and John, if they were willing to be baptized with the same baptism he was baptized with. He wasn't talking about water. He was talking about suffering and even dying for the gospel. And so he looks his disciples in the eye, knowing exactly what's going to happen to every one of them. And he says, I am with you all your ways, even to the very end. And so he was every time. When Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned to death, he saw heaven opened and Jesus stood up from his throne to receive him back because he promised to be there to the end for every single one of his servants. Listen to Paul at the end of his life. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's awaiting his standing of defense in front of Caesar himself. And he says this in 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 17. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. He always does and he always will. Some say that for the last bit of the journey, you're on your own. When you said your last goodbyes, you drift from, um, from your conscious life away towards darkness or another world, and you're there on your own. But that is never the truth for those of us who put our trust in Jesus Christ. He is always with us right up to the end. When the consciousness of everyone else disappears, we will not lose consciousness of him. All that he is with you right to the very end. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Jesus' message to us this morning on Mother's Day, I'm all in for you. I'm all in. Whatever you want, Whenever you need it, wherever you go, however long it takes, I'm all, within, all in with you right to the very end. I want to leave us with a question this morning. When it comes to the great task of spreading the gospel to the ends of the, the earth, Jesus is all in. By this point, the disciples are all in too. Seeing a man crucified and whipped and killed on a cross and speared in the side and in a tomb for three days, rise up and walk in front of you and stand before you right now, that'll do that to you. They're all in. They believe it. They're going all the way. Something has clicked. It's become real for them, and they are going all the way. The disciples are all in. Jesus is all in. In this thing of the gospel, in this thing of going, for the sake of spreading the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. My question for us today is, are we all in? Are we all in? Some of us are. Some of us aren't quite so sure. You know, this morning, it doesn't matter if you can say with all honesty, because I cannot, cannot say it with all honesty. You know what? I'd like to be all in. 
I think I'm somewhat in, but I'd love to be all in. And if you want to be all in this morning, I'd like to pray for you and I'd like to pray for me. We're going to go into a series from here the next few weeks. We're going to talk about going as senders, sorry, serving as senders. And then we're going to talk about going with the gospel through the summer. And as we do that, we're going to mine this question of what it means for us as a people to be all in with a God who is all in for us. And as we close this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're either like saying this morning, yeah, you know what, Peter, I'm all in. Or I want to be all in. Would you pray for me to be all in? Maybe today you don't even know God. You're thinking, all in for what? You're telling me I, I, I might end up persecuted for my faith, may even die for my faith. What sort of a faith is that? I tell you what sort of a faith it is. It's the most glorious faith you can ever have. There is no greater privilege in this life than giving your life for Jesus Christ. I don't have the courage to do that right now, but I'm praying that God will give me it so that if it happens, I will die in faith and courage for the one who has given everything for me. And if you're with me this morning, or you'd like to be, I want to ask you to stand where you are. Let's just pray. Lord, look at us. We're not much to the eyes of the world. But neither were those 11 disciples. Neither were those other followers, those brave women that had followed you to the end. Lord, who stood around you. They weren't much to the world either. But they turned the world upside down. Because they had had such an incredible encounter with the God who is all in. That all they could be is all in for you too. And Lord, however many days that we've got left, whatever our years look like, we don't want to spend them running after the things of this world, trying to accumulate, Lord, the pleasures that this world has to offer, trying to salve ourselves, Lord, and and the deep desires of our hearts with with the, the petty things that the world has to offer. We want to give ourselves for you, Lord, for the gospel, for the spreading of the good news to the ends of the earth, whether we go or we send. Lord, I pray you would help us. Would you take us, Lord? Would you take us and would you do in us what only you can do in us? You said you would make us fishers of men. Lord, we're glad you said that. Because if you'd said to us, go and become fishers of men, we wouldn't have been able to do anything. But you said, I will make you fishers of men. And you can do that to a people. You can make us fishers, Lord, where we're not even good at fishing. You can make us really good fishermen. Because this isn't about us and what we bring to the party. This is about you and what you bring to the party. And you are everything that we need. You always are and you're always with us right here, right now. We have the I am. We have God that created the heavens and earth, the beginning and the end. All power, all authority, everything that we need for every day of our life, for the rest of our lives up to the very end. Right here, right now, right in our midst. And we open our hearts to you. And we say, Lord Jesus, would you touch our hearts? Because we want to be all in for you. Wherever you call us, whatever you do, would you help us with that? And all God's people said, amen.